This is LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and you're listening to Employment Notebook. Now, in this episode, we're looking at journalism, specifically the ethics that are involved. To get some experienced perspective on these matters, we're speaking with Robert Drexel. He's the chair and director at the Center for Journalism Ethics at the University of Wisconsin. So he's going to give us some of that insight that many of our listeners have asked about when it talks about the journalism profession. Robert, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Glad to be here. Now, one area that people like to bring up when it talks about journalism or news is it seems like there's so much negativity out there. You talk about homicides and the scams that people are are having and the fires that are out there. And it seems to take up a large portion of that. Why do these seem to be the focus and how does that relate to how the news is ordered or how you might feature it in a paper or online? Well, I think uh, this is something that goes back a long ways. I mean, literally centuries where news is defined as the unusual, not as the usual. It's defined as the extraordinary, not the ordinary. Almost by definition, you're going to get a certain amount of focus on the kinds of things that you just listed. But I think increasingly, one thing we are seeing in, in journalism, in uh, you know more traditional journalism, is uh, somewhat less attention to all of the details of crashes and uh, crime and so on, not that those aren't mm-hmm. important, but a bit more attention to the larger issues that uh, they may be symptomatic of. Sure. Another aspect of this that people have brought up, and I think this goes back a number of years, where it seems like the news jumps on a story, a type of story, like, say, kidnapping. I know this is one that people brought up in the past, and it seems like every day you're seeing about a kidnapping and people start panicking, and then you look at the actual numbers and, well, kidnappings have gone down for the last 10 years. What responsibility does a journalist have there as far as covering the stories that, again, as you said, are maybe out of the ordinary, but also making sure people understand it's not necessarily that prevalent as far as how often it's happening? Yeah, that is uh, that certainly is a problem, and sometimes also uh, journalists are manipulated in the sense of mm. there are people trying to take advantage of their own agendas, advancing their sure. own agendas to make something that's actually rather unusual seem like it might be the sort of thing that threatens us routinely in everyday life. But I think there is no easy answer to that question other than a thorough professional reporting that makes clear in the context of the stories that are written that this is an unusual sort of thing. You know, sort of like, um, I think, in coverage of, um, oh, the recent Ebola outbreak, for mm-hmm. example. I think journalists actually uh, were uh, taking uh, as much care as they could to indicate that, you know, all the evidence is that that we didn't have anything to worry about here. But To some degree, no matter how qualified, no matter how cautionary journalists might be, people may read right past that, or they may not believe it, or they may think, well, I'm still not taking any chances or whatever. So uh, it's a very difficult thing to manage. I think you bring up a good point there as far as what the the viewers or the readers might think. Uh, They might look past something, they might have their own biases. Do you, as a journalist, then need to not really worry about what they're saying, but do you, do you kind of have to have one eye on it? Because obviously you want to be an actual source and a good source for those people. How do you balance that idea of what they think versus what you think just is best? Well, of course, to a degree, there is not much you can do to control that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I think the first step, of course, is to be cognizant of it. And, uh, you know, you can think about well, I hate to characterize them as little things, but you can think about things like where you might place something in a story or, the, or whether you might write, let's say, a separate story that emphasizes 
uh, and clarifies the degree or lack of uh, degree of risk, those kinds of things. But ultimately, I do think there is a lot of criticism of the media. Certainly, there there should be in many instances. But often, uh, people do tend to look at just the media themselves, just at the content of stories themselves and so on, and forget about the fact that communication is uh, not a one-way process by any means. I think that's a fair point. I think that's well put as well. Another part that people often bring up is the idea of bias. I mentioned there even with the viewers or, or the readers, they're going to have their own biases. Mm-hmm. We're all biased, of course. We either were raised a certain way or we have our own thoughts about something. Of course, people always think of politics being that big one, but even things like other social issues that might come up. What do you tell budding journalists as far as how you can handle those biases that we might have, especially when you are covering a story that has both sides to cover, or maybe you're even covering something you don't necessarily agree with? How do we, how can you handle those as a journalist? Right. And then there are those stories in which there may not even be multiple sides, at least multiple credible sides Mm -hmm. and so on. So Well, again, I think it starts with recognition and care in terms of not just thinking about these things as one is writing a story, but carefully looking over what one has written, what one has selected, and so on. People will always examine uh, news coverage through the sort of the lenses of their own biases. And we also, though, notice distinctions, you know, between people making generalizations about, oh, you can't trust the press, you can't believe Mm -hmm. anything you see in the media. But when you drill in a little more deeply and you start distinguishing between the media generally, the national media, the local media, and so on, a particular journalist locally, then people's perspectives tend to shift somewhat. But obviously, a journalist covering a straight news story, breaking news story, should not be at least knowingly inserting his or her perspective into the story Mm -hmm. and had better be ready to answer the question, should it come up, about whether they had or had not or or why they had or had not included a particular perspective in the story. Because if you can't answer that question as a journalist, then that suggests that you weren't thinking about these kinds of issues at the time that you ought to have been thinking about them. But uh, particularly in some contexts that are highly controversial and political, Political debate is certainly one of them. This is something journalists are simply not going to win. <laughs> you know, somebody is always going to be unhappy. Sure. What's your take then on editorials, whether they're on TV or in print? Because I do feel a lot of people don't quite understand that there's going to be a difference between the actual you know, journalistic reporting that we're touching on here. But then you have these opinion-based areas where, yes, you want them to have facts, hopefully, but it is technically an opinion. Do you like that that those exist? Do you think that's harmful to journalism because it has that confusion? What's your overall take? Well, I don't think it's harmful at all for journalism to serve an opinion function. But you're absolutely right. Uh, People uh, do not at all necessarily distinguish between news and opinion, even if it seems to be very clearly marked. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, of course, um, it isn't marked in a way that an audience member might necessarily understand. So you may mark a story that appears in the regular news columns of, say, news analysis or something like that. You know, what is the reader going to make of that? What, what does that mean to a reader? It, it may mean something to journalists. It may mean something even to some of their sources, but I'm not sure that the way journalists go about uh, distinguishing content always makes clear to readers and listeners and so on what what is and is not regarded as a matter of opinion. 
So, you know, there is no easy, again, there is no easy answer to that sure. one, but certainly it starts with what, say, newspapers have always done, I think, or, or for the most part always done, and that is sort of segregating opinion into editorial pages that are clearly marked as such and absolutely clearly may articulate the fact that this is the opinion of the newspaper or this is the opinion of the column, the columnist or the letter writer or whatever. Beyond that, there isn't a great deal that, that one can do. Broadcasters, of course, do not editorialize for the most part in the same way that newspapers historically mm-hmm. have. In Madison, we have a striking exception to that in uh, WISC television, which has a lot for a long, long time actually run station editorials. But that is a real exception and, and not the rule. Sure. Yeah, actually, here in Milwaukee, too, uh, Fox 6, I don't know if he still does it, but Ted Perry, who's an anchor, he would do what they call it the Ted editorial, uh, play on words, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So, again, I think that's where, you know, here's a person that you see typically just, you know, reporting the news as an anchor and then at some point giving his opinion. Like you said, they are marking it as such. So if people are paying any attention, they should notice that. But I can still see where, as we talked about here, people get a little confused with that. Well, and I think if, if you have an anchor who is li- literally stepping into an editorial role and then back into an anchoring role, mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, uh, we don't get uh, Milwaukee television in Madison, so I'm never able to really watch Milwaukee television. Sure. But I think if you have the same person uh, switching roles, that may be the kind of thing that can invite confusion. Good point. Now, along the same lines, we have social media, of course, and the, the idea of the speed of which news gets out there information, the way we get it can be very different, obviously, from even, say, 15 years ago. In terms of journalists reporting things on social media, especially I think of Twitter because it is so quick and, and uh, you know, to the point with that, what is your overall opinion of it? What do you teach or stress when you do speak with journalists or budding journalists about how to use it, its effectiveness, uh, the dangers of it? I mean, just kind of your overall look at social media. I always approach it with extreme caution because I think one of the great risks that's been created by social media and probably by by Twitter in particular when it's used uh, journalistically is that it has had a tendency to elevate speed over accuracy. Definitely. That makes me very, very uncomfortable. You cannot possibly tell a news story in a series of 140 character or less (laughs) tweets. And the odds of mistakes occurring, I think, are really, really elevated. Now, I know there's a school of thought that says, yeah, but, you know, you can send out a correction just as quickly as you can send out the original tweet. But I don't find that particularly uh, comforting at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's even remotely close to being an answer. So I always try to emphasize to students that, yes, this is a tool you're going to have to use. It's a tool that has its place, particularly in some kinds of breaking news and perhaps particularly in situations where uh, there's a need to caution the audience about something or another, or to even engage the audience in helping report certain aspects of the story. But there are also enormous risks, and uh, you really need to be cognizant of the risks if you're going to be um, a good professional journalist. Do you believe, because you kind of alluded to it there, like maybe if there's a a warning that needs to be issued or some sort of critical information that needs to get out quickly, do you believe that most people view journalists in any way as being 
you know, social helpers in that case, that there is actually a, a I don't want to say a higher calling because I think that's taking a little too far, but that they're not just reporting the news, that they're not just doing this because they want to be on TV or they want their name recognized. Do you feel that that's all been lost? Whereas, you know, a number of years ago, people probably felt they really are helping us and they really are giving the information that we need at a time that we need it. I don't think that actually has been lost. I mean, it seems to okay. me that whenever there is a particularly major crisis uh, story of some kind or another, as far as I can see, people still flock to the media. They flock to the traditional media or they flock to social media sources that are associated with those media. And they look for guidance. They look for information. They look for understanding. So uh, I think I think that uh, no, that's something that that uh, still very much exists, and that the media do still play a role in sort of I'm not sure exactly what term to use, right? But <laughs> yeah, no, bringing people that. together in in some sense of the word, right? Yeah. Of course, another area that people will point to is just the idea of image in general. The recent large issue that came up, of course, was Brian Williams from NBC and how he had wasn't lying on air necessarily, but he had obviously told a bunch of lies about uh, his own situation and, and the impact that could have. How big is one's image, even if it is something that's off the air? We talk about maybe on Twitter where you might say something you know, from a personal perspective versus that you're reporting. Um, is that something that needs to be stressed because once you lose it, it may be gone forever? Yes, it should be stressed. And uh, your point is well taken that uh, the kind of trust that is essential for journalistic credibility and legitimacy is a very fragile commodity as it is in any aspect of life. And once, whether justifiably or not, for that matter, you have lost the trust of your audience, it's not clear to me how you ever really get that back. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, I would say it's, you know, it's fairly likely that we aren't going to see Brian Williams back again. And again, you have to say this, even though that incident or the controversy over the Rolling Stone story about rape on the University of Virginia campus, right. those kinds of stories, they are the exception, not the rule. Sure. But people certainly look at that and say, well, see, we knew it. We knew it all along. That's, you know, that's the media for you. That's reporters for you. That generalization is, is um, in my opinion, not true, not correct, but it's understandable how people will jump to that conclusion. So it is, uh, it's really a shame when you have these high-profile incidents. I think they do nothing but further damage or give more people a, a continuing excuse for further criticizing the performance of the media and trust in the media, whether it's deserved or not. So these are uh, self-inflicted wounds, and uh, it's really a shame when, when you see them happen. Robert, I really appreciate your perspective on all of this. It's fascinating to me. I've obviously spent some time within the media, and uh, you know, I've had some people that I've looked up to as well. So I think it's, uh, it's really cool to hear your perspective on this. I wanted to give you the last opportunity here before we wrap up, just in general, for talking about ethics in journalism. What would you put out there as kind of a, a lasting takeaway as far as the importance or what you would focus or emphasize? Uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but something that you think would be a great takeaway for the listeners. This may be one or more than one thing, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, often people think about ethics as some sort of set of written standards, some sort of a code to be followed, 
something that's uh, like a series of principles and guidances in a book that one can look up. And it isn't that. I think it, it's really a process. And the first part of the process is recognizing ethical issues when they arise. And a lot of times problems occur because nobody happened to think about uh, even a really obvious uh, ethical issue presented by a particular story, for example. And then once recognized, one needs to, in some principled way, reason through to a conclusion so that there's an explanation. But I would hesitate to add that I don't think uh, behaving ethically is necessarily going to solve any of the major problems that the media have in terms of, of uh, lack of trust. Mm -hmm. People may still vehemently disagree with what uh, the media have decided to do, even though one could make a strong argument that, that what they decided to do was, in fact, a highly ethical choice. So I don't think it's any kind of a, you know, a magical charm such that if by some amazing process we could wave a wand and, and have the media all behaving ethically, because <laughs> we're never going to agree on, on, on what that is. But we can agree, I think, on how one should go about thinking through these problems. Robert, I think it's a great place to leave us off. Uh, thank you once again for joining us on LJN Radio. Thank you. And with that, we'll close out this edition of Employment Notebook and our conversation with Robert Trexel, the chair and director for the Center for Journalism Ethics at the University of Wisconsin. If you'd like to give us some feedback on this show or any of our episodes, send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or you can connect with us on Twitter. You'll find us there at the LJN. You can also listen to all of our shows on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. Thanks once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. 